like that you said you. we are going running. You've gone running in your shorts <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the yeah, snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I mean, not gone running in the shorts. No, no. I've, I've, uh, I've included I just people. went out and was like, oh, it's flurrying. You ran in the snow this morning. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's you crazy. didn't. No, no, I was waiting I'm for a, you. No, no, I'm. I was waiting for you. No, no, no. I'm going to the gym in the no. warm. It was Vance's idea. Did you hear that yesterday? He's like, no. Hey, we were running along the Hudson. I did. I did see that idea. <laughs> yeah. And had no. We did. We um, were like, go all the way to had, Highline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like, had no intention of actually falling through. I just, I thought it was a, a decent just idea. Egging him on. Well, I went, and I've been twice now. Yeah, yeah, but I've been yeah, zero, no. and you haven't been once. This episode is focused on scaling, failing, and ambition. In a season where some might be slowing down to find their balance to go back to the workplace IRL or reassessing time because they're trying to find room for that sabbatical, we decided to lean in and talk about ambition. Now, check out this quote I came across. Ambition is but the evil shadow of aspiration. This comes from a Scottish author, poet, and minister from the 1800s, George MacDonald. He was a contemporary, a mentor teacher to C.S. Lewis. He was friends with Oswald Chambers. He was said to have influenced many thought leaders in that time period. And these are believers and creatives who influenced literature for generations. Now, I don't know the full context of his views on productivity and innovation or what he would say about technology today and how distilled this sensibility has come along. But the sense of ambition being an unwanted trait is a sensibility that a lot of us have run into as we've existed in ministry and business, either simultaneously or in the intermix of both. And so if that's you and you cringe over the words scale, failure, or ambition, well, I'm excited for you to gain a perspective shift. And if ambition actually makes you sit taller, well, you might be a pioneer and you might be an innovator. And I hope that this episode gives you permission to play bigger. We were appropriately recording this episode out of New York. We were talking about ambition in one of the most ambitious cities in the country. We were just a couple hours from setting up our very first event in the East Coast at the Soho Grand Hotel in Manhattan. And we had a great time. We are hitting the road again. In just a couple of weeks, we'll be launching the Hype Network in Chicago in April. So if you are in the Windy City or you frequent it for work, come and join us. If you're an entrepreneur, an innovator, an executive, a thought leader, an industry leader, and you want to get connected to the network, head over to hypenetwork.org. Join us in Chicago. We can't wait to connect with you there. All right. Enjoy this episode. I'm going to call this one Scale Masters, Fail Masters. Enjoy. Here we are doing a podcast from New York, and it's not just because we want to say we're in New York. Right. Getting the three of us together actually is a very difficult thing to do these we, days. We have to go to New York to do it. We have to find ourselves in New York, but uh, we're here obviously for the Hype Happy Hour in New York. Uh, tomorrow we go to Miami yep. for Hype Happy Hour in New Miami. And it's two different – this trip was difficult to pack for in a, in a carry-on. Yes. yes. Because we're yes. going from – this morning I was running in the snow and tomorrow it's probably going to be like 80 degrees. I didn't allow Kim to check in a bag though. So we, de we, we definitely <laughs> put it in a carry-on. Just carry-on only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love we it. Gotta be nimble. Gotta be swift. Uh, and uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, Innovation. but because after this, we're going to Miami, right? That's what you're, you're saying. saying. Yeah. But it's like 80 degrees yes. and humid. Yes. But after that, I'll go to Austin, which is hot and like gross and dry. And we'll go back to the Silicon Valley, which is that's freezing right. cold and rainy. <laughs> like why? We'll why is that happening? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, very confusing times, but a yeah. very exciting time to be here doing our Hype Pod and Hype Network, Hype Happy Hour. Exciting. 
so much momentum and uh, I'm really excited for these happy hours because they're net new ground. It feels like we're breaking new ground. I was telling uh, this to Kim last night. I feel the same sense that I felt when we were in Rome. Oh, yeah. really? Just this, this sense that God's doing something, yeah. this sense that we're embarking on something new, uh, really uncertain yep. of how everything's going to play out. Yes. Uh, still trying to define and refine even the way that we talk about it. We've been talking about it with a couple people in yep. the last 12 hours, really. Uh, yeah, and I it's mean, been interesting. And, and I think one of the things we are identifying is we probably need to define this a little bit more. Yeah. Um, give yeah. us some language because we're, we're talking conceptually and we're putting people in, in the space that we're really in. We're yes. just trying to figure this out. Yeah. We feel a, a direction from the Holy Spirit. We're following and it's like breadcrumbs at time. Mm-hmm. It's the same feeling as you just mentioned every time we plant a campus. Yes. We're following the Holy Spirit. We're following different opportunities, letting God open doors and we're meeting people, leaders, team. And, you know, you look back a couple of years on and you see, look at this church, but it started with so much uncertainty. Yes. And... Uh, I think that's what I love about the way we do church and probably why people say we're such a church for the Silicon Valley is right. because like when you're starting a company, when you're innovating new ideas, when you're moving into new spheres, it is so unknown Yes, because the playbook hasn't been written before, especially if you're innovating. Right. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're, if there's a playbook for, for it, guess what? You're actually not innovating anymore. You're actually too late. Yes. Yeah. If, if you have everything figured out in your business plan, in your business model before you execute, you're too late. Way too late. That's mm. actually not the precipice of innovation anymore. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Innovation is in the net new space. Yeah. How, are we, how are we reinventing? How are we accelerating? And uh, I think this is going to be exciting for us to get into net new ground. Why are you with- comfortable in that space? Because you've done it multiple times over across ministry, across business. How are you so fluent <laughs> In the language of uncertainty. Yeah, good question. <laughs> Specifically in uncertainty. How do you do that so well? No, but you, not, not, not only fluent yeah. in it, you seem comfortable in it. Yeah, yeah I think the, the no rules mm. uh, means two sides, right? One is uh, you're not going to make a mistake. Right, okay. Because there's no rules to break. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, if there was already a set pattern, you have to stick to that and you're playing that out and therefore you can get it wrong. But in the net new you know, you're trying stuff. I think it's a comfortability with failure as well. I think that's what it is. Somebody told us this morning at breakfast, um, well, I want to ask you guys questions because you guys are the scale masters. And I quickly right. said, I don't know for the scale masters, nice. but in my mind, I think I think we're like the fail masters. We're like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're so comfortable with failing fast and failing forward and yeah. learning quickly and innovating and iterating. Yes. Um, there's seasons to that because you've talked about this recently where there are seasons of pivoting, but then there's there's seasons where there's planning. But when you're innovating, I feel like that ingredient of pivoting and being comfortable with that is so crucial. I think I agree with you. I think the key to being able to fail and be comfortable with failure is not letting your identity be attached to the failure. Mm. If your identity is too woven to the success of something, then you'll be hesitant to take big risks because failure means that you fail. Huh. It's not that I failed. That failure is an education of, of uh, there's always something I can learn and I've grown through the failure, which actually adds to my complexity so good. and my identity. Yeah. It doesn't define my identity. So good. Um, and I think if we could health, healthfully disconnect our identity from a failure yeah. and uh, you know, be willing to, to actually put the risk out there and, and maybe that's where people drag failure out too long. That's right. 
can you fail fast? That's a Silicon Valley term. What do you mean they dra- drag failure out too long? Uh, I don't think they recognize when to pivot, when to Got say, mm. man, okay, what can I take and learn from that and begin something new rather than saying, no, we're going to be, we're going to stick to this and we're going to resurrect this and we're going right. to, you know, make this work because I am not a failure. And it's like, no, you're not a failure. Yeah. That failed. Maybe the market changed. Maybe, sure. maybe things happen so quickly. I mean, imagine if you invested everything into CDs. Right. Like you, you, you banked on CDs. You went from tape yeah. to CD. But see, the CD lifespan, um, the compact disc I'm talking about, Yeah. Uh, like the, the, the cassette tape was uh, decades. The, the compact disc was marginal time before MP4s or MP3s came out, right? Just, just years, yeah. And, and yet if you mm. banked everything on the compact disc era and you were unwilling to migrate, you lost. Yeah, instead of, that's true. Instead of being able to pivot and iterate and go, hey, maybe you're not the failure, maybe that area, that product wasn't, yeah. a, wasn't a success. You know, it's funny that in between that season two, because I, I was studying audio in college at mm-hmm. that time, and there were iterations of how to record. You mm-hmm. had like the right. mini disc, right. had like a yep. really short-lived moment. Yes. That was like a year. Right? Yeah, that's right. And then you did have laser discs for yes. a little bit, which were huge. Like not huge in the market, but mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it's so funny how quickly something's innovated before we got to um, that MP3. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the, uh, and, and, and not saying that the compact disc was a failure. It was a stepping stone. Yeah. Um, but that's how you got to approach, approach failure. Stepping yeah. stone. You've got to see it as a yeah. stepping stone, yeah. not the end result. Yeah. Um, sometimes we romanticize the journey. We totally romanticize the journey. And we think I'm looking for the story and that success story that's going to be written about. Um, but how do you do that when you're also building big vision? Because, you know what I mean? Like, what's that balance? Because you, you do a great job of painting a picture of where it's headed. And right. so as people carry that with you, how do you paint what success can look like, but then also... Yeah. realize that you're building a stepping stone, not necessarily getting stuck in the failure if it doesn't hit that. You know, I don't. Totally. I think, I think Vince, you do this really good uh, with um, things like overflow. I mean, you've got this big picture. You've yeah. got the big picture on how this is going to change an industry, but you invite people into the details. That's it. And you'll, you have an ability to, to draw, uh, I would say, skilled people who are experts in a certain aspect yeah. of it. But as an innovator, you need to have the big picture and allow people to come around the journey. And some of the failures might not be the big failure. It might be individual failures. Sure. But how do yeah. you pivot on an individual failure or personnel failure or a product failure and and not lose sight of the big picture? Yeah, what I've learned, uh, you brought up overflow, is that we could have gotten so romantic specifically about how we started, which mm-hmm. was stock donations. Mm-hmm. But if we got so laser focused and romantic about that, we would actually miss the bigger play. And what I'm learning is that if I'm just a stock donation company, I'm actually a pretty small company. Right. If I'm a generosity company built on first principles, um, then stock is just one means to accomplishing the mission of inspiring the world to give. And so I I do really resonate with not getting romantic or stuck on certain things and understanding the higher level principle of what you're trying to build. So we're talking about platform shifts, right? You go from... CDs to MP3s, and then the progression goes. Um, I think if you don't have a principle of pivoting, then you're going to miss a platform shift. Sure. And you're going to miss the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I was referring right. to. Uh, it was the stock component. Yeah. Because the wedge was no one has streamlined stock donations. Exactly. 
which is great when there's a, a bullish market. Exactly. And there's great stock growth and yep. everyone's giving off the top. But what happens when there's a market crash? That's right. People are consolidated. They're, they're not giving stock. Then your platform could potentially be in a failure. Yep. But because you iterated, you innovated, you actually had a bigger picture for yes. what donation uh, generosity looks like. Stock was just one element. Just one element. Um, and it's not that that's failed. The, the industry has paused. Yep. It'll come back. Yes. But you've actually been able to innovate in other areas. That's right. And now you're growing more rapidly even than you were in that season. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. I've been doing a study on the Silicon Valley and how it's been synonymous with all the platform shifts, how Silicon Valley has actually built companies because they are at the forefront of these platform shifts. So Silicon Valley actually comes from Silicon chips. Correct. And so that is a proliferation. There was companies before it, but some of the companies that got popularized like Intel, right, figured out that through the Silicon wafer mm. chip, we could put compute power mm -hmm. in smaller and smaller chips, mm -hmm. which a whole cohort of companies got built on top of that platform shift, including Apple and Microsoft, right. the personal computer, right? Yes. And then from there, uh, the shift after that was the internet. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you give way to a bunch of dot-com companies um, and in the early 2000s, even companies like MySpace and the eventual Facebook, now Meta. And then from the internet platform shift then became the mobile shift. Mm -hmm. the, so the smartphone and the iPhone and whole companies were only able to exist, but became super big because they took advantage of that platform shift, including right. Uber. Mm -hmm. We're using Uber today yep. mm -hmm. because they took advantage of that platform shift We've been talking in the last two episodes about what we feel like might be the next platform shift, which is AI. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Let's get prophetic. You know? <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting because it, it does seem and it does sense uh, to me that this might be the next platform shift. Maybe it already is. Yeah. Um, and we were actually just talking this morning with uh, an innovator here in New York City about as people of faith, what is that tension that we balance between being like, just 100% bullish. Right. And and the flip side super religious and behind the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is somewhere I would love to to converse about this idea. I mean we saw it with crypto, all right? So so the the emergence of web3 crypto uh, currency there was it seemed like the the conditions and the environment was perfect with pandemic people had spare cash. Yeah because everyone was, everyone thought they were rich <laughs> yeah. and here yep. is a net new opportunity, even playing field it felt like. Yep. You didn't need to have, um, you know, some investor yep. investing on your part. You didn't, right. you didn't have to have a hedge fund managing your, your money. Everyone could literally download Robinhood or apps and they could start buying cryptocurrency. Right. Yep. But no one was throwing up warning signs. Nope. No one was, you know, uh, even think like cautioning people. Right. So to just jump from maybe the crypto era to the AI era yep. without any lessons learned. That's right. I think we've got to actually apply lessons learned from what did we go, what was too bullish yes. in the crypto era and what are the potential upsides, downsides, dangers uh, and bridges, opportunities in the AI era. And I feel like there are so many. So many. I mean, that goes down so many different rabbit holes. I guess what's interesting is when we look at it from 
a faith-based standpoint, right? And if we're, we're trying to further community, further connection, are there ways you're starting to see, Pastor Adam, where AI can play a fundamental part to that? We're on a board of a company called Church AI. Yes, so we are. So we are at somewhat, you know, somewhat bullish about this. We are. But, but how do you see it playing out? I mean, I see so many benefits. I see the, the four, and by the way, I'm just gonna give a caveat from the beginning. I see more pros than cons, okay? So yeah, I'm just yeah, gonna say yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> okay? Uh, and I wanna make sure that people know that because I think, but however, everything has to be moderated with morality. Yep. Everything has to have, have limits to what, where we're willing to go yep. um, and a use case, right? Yep. So, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna try and get political here, but the gun debate, it, it's, it's the gun, doesn't harm people, people harm people in how you use a gun, right? So right. on the ranch, I can use the gun to, to you know, fend off wildlife and all that kind of stuff from uh, my family, or it can be used against people, right? Yep. So it, it's the same with AI and technology, especially with something so exhilarating as AI, machine learning, algorithms, all these kinds of things. The use case for that in computation processing ability to, to be used in metrics, data, yep. uh, health scores, knowing people, tracking people. We were just talking about this this morning with this, uh, this uh, contact here in, in New York. And uh, one of the things that was really exciting that we were conversing about with AI allows us to do, historically, churches get to a size limit. Yes. Where the healthy size limit of a church is how you know people in the church. That's right. Right? right. And as a pastor, as a shepherd, how do I shepherd people I don't know? So churches become get unhealthy when they get so big that the, the pastor just becomes a distant celebrity. Yes. Right? And there's yes. no actual connection. Yes. And so, however, we're limited by our, our ability to connect and time and all those kinds of things. What we got with technology is the ability to maybe not know someone personally, but because of data, I can have metrics on their health score, their family, their, like we were even saying the fact that Facebook has more data on our congregants than, than church pastors have That's on right. their congregants. Right. You know, Facebook knows their, their siblings, their connections, where yeah. they went to school. We, would, we just count numbers still, you know? Right. But if we could uh, use data and algorithms and AI to actually generate health scores on people, all these things actually increase our capacity make things more personal, uh, and, and there are huge benefits. I think the dangers come with all the things that I inbox you guys with, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I see, you know, social mm -hmm. media uh, and where AI is getting a life of its own and wanting to kill people and destroy people and right. stuff like that because we are essentially forming, uh, I would say, a process uh, of putting power in, some, in a machine's hands, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think the morality thing is what we touched on last time. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to see, can we, can we go back to the hype network stuff? Yeah, let's do it. I want to go back sure. to that because I think I'd love to keep unpacking it because in our conversations, um, we've been, like you said, you've been finding more language, et cetera. All of my conversations about the networking that people are doing that look kind of similar, like whether it's. Christians in VC or what yes. have you, right? Yes. Yes. That it doesn't look like what we've been doing with hype sessions. True. And we've pivoted this week and we're doing some happy hours here in New York and in Miami. Um, and you've now been talking about how it feels like pioneering. Yeah. I'd love for you to just keep talking about it. Um, and if we could start in this place, because last night when we were having the conversation, um, something that stuck with me is our contact was saying um, that, I'm gonna paraphrase something about um, ambition 
Yeah. Do you remember it? And we were talking about something. And the, what has stuck with me is something about being a pioneer and not having something to pioneer. Mm. Yep. Yep. And how I think I walked away from the conversation last night realizing that how much of a mission field this actually ends up being. For sure. And how um, under discipled served. and served the business category of church can be. So can you both talk about that? Talk about Hype Network. Where is it going? What does it look like? Why is it different? And as we're building it, what does it look like right now? We, we've been meeting um, probably in the dozens now yeah. of people that I would categorize as highly ambitious, dreamers, highly skilled, not just empty dreams, but that can execute on these dreams that I would categorize would say they feel in a wilderness in their faith. Right, yeah. Would say that they don't fully feel like there's a home. They don't fully feel like there's a permission. They don't fully feel a community that's helping encourage, enable, um, them in their God-sized dream sure. that they have, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what's been really cool is we have this tagline, you're one connection away from your breakthrough. And we've kind of centered what we're trying to put our hands on defining around this tagline, right? Yeah. What does that mean, one connection to your breakthrough? This is not just like a pithy statement. Literally, people in the Hype Network, four companies already have received um, about $100,000 in funding each mm-hmm. for businesses that they're starting. That's one example of like being one connection away from your breakthrough. I've talked to people that are starting to discuss um, partnering together and mm-hmm. co-founding a company together. Um, I've even talked to some people where the Hype Network has been a front door to a local church <laughs> yes. Yes. for them because like, oh, people in church are also ambitious? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I... I should check out church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. There's a lot of pathways. How would you describe yeah. it, Pastor? No, Ryan? I think it's brilliant. I think the, the that catch uh, phrase of your one connection away from your breakthrough is it's centered around bringing worlds together, mm-hmm. worlds that are so often so isolated. You know, the church world can be territorial. Um, That's right. You know, where people are growing my thing and, and you know, you back off and, and there's terms like sheep stealing. All these things get thrown out, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when, which has made, I think, pastors, leaders afraid of networking and merging uh, faith people, Christians, believers, whether they're in innovation. But what, what they're missing is the potential upside of cross-connecting. Good. Not just across regions and churches, but really across cities and across the nation. That's why we're here opening net new spaces because there could be a connection from New York to San Francisco. Yep. And that connection could build one of the most innovative things, whether a partner or funding. There may be an, a founder that needs funding. There may be someone with funds needing a founder yep. you know, to, to invest in. But how would they know that unless we actually create platforms for it? And there are many similar, I, I guess, platforms we could talk, faith-driven entrepreneurs, uh, you know, Christians in VC. There are, there are platforms for that. I think the wedge that we are really looking to bring into the market uh, with hype sessions, hype network, is we're trying to do it across the board. We're trying to do it in a in a really following the Holy Spirit. Yep. Uh, and in many ways, uh, just talk a, a probably a net new language. Right. I would say that Hype Network so far is also skewing very young. Yes. I would say the average demographic is probably in their 20s. And I would say this, a distinctive, I think, of the Hype Network so far, which has been really cool, is people that are highly ambitious that haven't made it yet. Yeah. 
they haven't arrived. They're underestimated. They're under-resourced. Yeah. They're under-connected. Yeah. Or they've ambition <laughs> and they've been misplaced. Exactly. Right? Or displaced to our conversation. Yeah. yeah. I think we need to probably redeem the word ambition. Yeah. So yes. Good. Do um, that, please. So good. Because you guys have heard it. You've, you've mentioned it a couple of times now. And yeah. uh, I'm wondering if people listening to it are like getting a Sometimes there's a cringe around the word ambition totally. in the church. Yeah. Oh, it has totally. an arrogance with it. There's an arrogance. Yeah. There's this, this idea of, oh, no, we shouldn't be ambitious. And I don't know where that comes from. Um, you it, know, it, it didn't come from Paul. Of course it didn't come from Paul. <laughs> I mean, he, he made it very clear, his, his motive, he was ambitious for Christ. Uh, so I think that the origin or the destination has to determine uh, the 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 direction of your ambition. Uh, but ambition is a drive. Ambition is a desire to live a life of significance. Yes. It, it represents, I think, in a hustle and a grind uh, and this motivation that, that if you meet someone ambitious, um, you know, th- th- they're going to break through walls. Yeah. They're going to bust through opposition. That, that's so controversial, Pastor Adam, because it's all about rest, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would a- probably be the, the polar narrative at the moment. Totally. Especially in, in Christianity, I feel like today there is this there is this language and this frequency being spoken about that seems to be very, very popular around sabbaticals, around rest, yes. around slowing down. Um, and it's very fascinating to me. I think it's actually very intriguing. I personally don't subscribe to it. I'm very confused by it, if I could just be honest. Okay. Um, can, can you paint the bigger picture for people who are probably listening to this and going, what, what are you talking about? It's rest. Yeah, maybe if you're part of uh, Vibe in the Silicon Valley, um, you have no idea what I'm talking about because you're <laughs> hustling. <laughs> you're starting companies and things like that. Or maybe you do know what I'm talking about where there seems to be a resonance right now um, and it's funny. It seems to be actually with young people as well, like yeah. millennials. Yeah. yeah. Where it's not even like they have decades of like hard work and they're almost at their pension and they just need a rest now and potentially retire. It's this uh, language around burnout. Mm. Yes. Right. And being fatigued and needing to take three months off, six months off, and just rest in the presence of God and just be. Right. Um, you, you're not defined by what you do. But, you know, who are you becoming and, and things like that. And there's obviously some biblical things to, sure. to that. But I think the general posture around I'm burnt out and I need a rest and I need to not be marked by what I do is skewing so much towards that side where it's almost vilifying yes. hustle culture, yes. drive, yeah. ambition, the things that we get excited about, mm-hmm. right? And I guess what what is what is the right way to approach this? Because I'm a believer in rhythms of rest. I'm a believer that your whole life shouldn't be consumed by work, but we also read by Paul that he runs the race to win. We also read in the scripture that Paul was beaten for the gospel ship. I don't feel Mm -hmm. like if you met Paul, he would be like this super Zen master Mm-mm. that was living like a super tranquil life. It seemed like he actually lived a pretty chaotic life. He's a fast walker. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. Being in New York, Being you know, there the are best. fast walkers. Yeah. You know, I feel at home. You're going to get run over. He's a New Yorker. Yeah. On the Paul's street, a yeah. New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. You got to get a move. No, no, you're right. And I, let, let's dig into this a little bit because uh, what I can see biblically is how this, this I guess, this new mo- uh, wave of teaching about uh, living like a monk, 
Yes. Um, yeah. Being in Zen, having rest. But didn't uh, Jesus, like, isn't that the, the justification of it? Like justifying Sabbath? I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so living a Sabbath, practicing the Sabbath. Yes. Uh, Jesus often withdrew. Um, yep. You know, those kinds of things. Yep. Uh, narratives right. like abide in me and I in you. I think they're taken with the wrong filter. Okay. Mm. I think they're taken with the wrong filter because Jesus was on mission. There you go. He's, he had a condensed mission, a three-year mission. And so he had a pattern for sure of rest, not a pattern of retreat. Wow. Now, now he, in my understanding and what I see in looking and studying the patterns of Jesus is he had a pattern of prayer. He would often go with the Father. So that was built in as a st- sustaining model. But what I I think people attribute to the patterns that Jesus is and they're surmising is that Jesus is dealing with the same things we were dealing with. And I don't think Jesus was dealing with the same things we were dealing with. Interesting. Hmm. What I think people are dealing with is not fatigue. It's comparison. Oh, wow. Because college students are not tired. True. Fact. They haven't been working long enough. And if you're a college <laughs> student, I love you, but you haven't worked yet. You're not burnt okay? out. You're not Victoria burnt on out. the other side of the camera you're not just nodded. You're not burnt out at work. <laughs> you're sleeping till midday. All right? you, you are not tired. Um, but they are burnt out. Yeah. Right? What do they burn out from? They're yeah. burnt out from comparison. Mm. This is a new thing because it's with the social media generation. And there is constant comparison in ministry. Constant comparison in business. Yeah. Constant comparison now in athletics. True. You know, it's not built on just your subscribers, but are you getting deals mm-hmm. coming across? Yeah. All this thing, all these things that used to be in isolation. Yeah, right. that's true. Because you used to compare yourself. Because I think back to college, you compare yourself to whatever mark you're trying to hit, yes. right? Whether it's like wow, academics or you know, I don't know, in college, I studied theater. So you knew what it needed to look like. Right. And that's what you're comparing. But you're right. Social media is now you're comparing to one another. And to, now, right? now you're comparing with someone in a different college. Everybody else. So you used to compare yeah. with your classmates, a yeah. smaller subset. Like, you know, oh, Vance, man, he, yeah. he's doing good. He could A pluses and everything. Man, I'm going to work harder. Yeah. And it was a smaller subset. Sure. But now you could be comparing across a nation and, and not just in grades, but in success, life, uh, even if you got funding, just say you got funding for right. your company and you did a $10 million round. Yeah. The moment you celebrate, someone just got a $50 million round. You're like, oh my gosh, yep. like, 100%. wow. Yep. So it produces an anxiety that fatigues the soul mm. to the point where I need to rest. I need to retreat. I need to escape this. Turn off, you know, we've got the off the grid. I'm going off the grid, uh, which everyone announces on the grid. Yeah. <laughs> I get triggered yeah. when um, I text somebody and they're always like, do not disturb. Yeah. Why? Why are you always do not disturb? Yeah. I, I, I always press notify anyway. Like notify <laughs> anyway. Like what? Well, how are you? You're not busier than me. I guarantee you that. No. Yeah. Actually, you were saying something to me that's interesting. You're you know, one of the busiest people. Um, because cause your team reach out to, to people and you get a lot more OOOs now. So there's about, you know, we, we reach out to thousands of pastors all the time uh, trying to share about what we're doing so that we can serve their church we probably get about a 30% bounce rate of um, on vacation, on sabbatical, Out away. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, um, it's because it's July. And I was like, oh, it's because it's August. <laughs> oh, wait, September, October, November. Yeah. <laughs> right. wait, wait. That's gross season. Oh, and then it's Christmas. And I'm like, right. wait, <laughs> yeah, where, where's everybody at? You Do you know? think it's on the other side of the pandemic? 
Like, did we partly. have so much shut down? Partly. I think partly. And then speed up zero to 60, get everybody back in person. You know, there's there's no bit. doubt. Yeah. There is absolutely no doubt that the pandemic took a toll on, not, but it wasn't just pastors. It's taken a toll on parents. Yep. It's taken a toll on yeah. everybody. I think we've got this fragility is what I'm afraid of that we're, we're building in a fragility to ministers yes. that Paul didn't possess, that the apostles didn't possess. There has to be a grit yes. that's produced in the trials of life where instead of me escaping, how do I bring God into my life so I have a pattern of walking with God where he sustains me what, rather than me dropping the ball and leaving people to their own devices while I go and get, get away with God. I don't see how that's a, a sustainable pattern. What I would love to see is just this, and this is probably going to be very controversial. People are probably disagreeing with me, but <laughs> I believe we're going to develop a grit in the fire. We've got to be able yeah. to stand in the face of opposition. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, so these good. guys actually didn't cower and say, oh, there's too much pressure on our faith. Let me go and escape. No, we're standing strong. Even if you put us in the furnace, right. we ain't wavering, right? And I think that comes from handling hardship and knowing Christ is with me in that See, I, I love that. I love that posture. You, you know, we're talking about the book of Daniel right there. Mm -hmm. In the midst of persecution, pressure, yep. politics, Yes, Daniel did not retreat. He opened up his window. Yes. Yes. He said, Good I'm going to double down. Yep. Yeah. And yep. you're going to watch me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the opposite is what we're getting. We're getting pastors saying, man, the political landscape's too much. The racial landscape's too much. The, the, the expectation is too much. I, I need to... And then it, I can see why it's so attractive when someone offers them this rest narrative. They miss the fact that that person is an opportunist as well. 100%. They're going, hey, what do people need? They need, let me write a book on rest. Mm -hmm. huh. People who write books, Ooh. write books to sell books. And, and they're, they're preaching peace from a perspective like it's a destination. Yes, it's not. They're we like, know that. If you practice these things, if you adopt this playbook, right, you'll eventually be able to receive peace. Right. right. No, peace is a decision. It's a, like Even, you say, a weapon. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Peace is your weapon that when everybody else is chaotic, I got peace. So good. A peace that surpasses all understanding. So I've got to bring peace and I've got to bring Jesus into the chaos so that while everyone else is frantic, I have this unbelievable uh, stability to my life that it doesn't come from me retreating and piecing out, but from actually having that pattern of God walking with me. Yeah. And I think we, we're never going to be able to find that while we're comparing with everybody else. So I think it's an anxiety culture. Mm. I think it's a comparison culture. I don't think it's a hard work culture. Yeah. So rest is probably not the right word. Yeah. Good. I think retreat is not the right word. I think there is got to be a way to process other people's success and learn how to celebrate other people rather than compete with other pre people anytime and my personal challenge is and, and and as human nature i'm competitive oh my gosh yes i we know yes i am competitive <laughs> we've <been>, yes <laughs> but i always i'm on your staff <laughs> <laughs> exactly but i want you play to pickleball <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things i want to do is it's a it's a narrative that i have to talk to myself about when i'm feeling the competitive uh comparison and, and you know how to play it. So comparison can actually cause you to, to actually get frustrated, anxious, and, and start complaining to everybody, start firing staff, 
you're not, not performing well enough, or you can use it to inspire and go. get competitive. Yeah. There you go. Knowing that, hey, if they did that, we can do that. Well, you said something interesting, wh- whether it was last night or this morning, or maybe it was last night, where we were talking about ambition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you actually even a step further and said, you haven't met many successful people that are not at least a little bit arrogant. Yeah, that was last night. Yeah, that was a little freeing, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Tell us why. Oh, just, I think that, uh, I think uh, the connection is oftentimes you're pulling back your ambition so that you're not looking too arrogant, right? Right. But that is literally the story of everybody that's displaced. Well, I see arrogance as unapologetic. Mm. A healthy yeah. arrogance is not apologizing for why you want to succeed. Sure. And you don't believe that's an oxymoron, what you just said. No, a I healthy don't. arrogance. I think there's a healthy arrogance. Wow. The health, there is an unhealthy arrogance. Sure. Yeah. Right? And we could name names, you know, in, in media and that kind of stuff. But I think a healthy uh, arrogance is, or health is this, this drive and this unapologetic for what I'm building. Love that. And I'm a believer in it. And I'm unashamed about it. Like I believe that, and I say this, I believe that Vive Church is the greatest church on the planet. So good. For me and for those that God's called to our church. Yes. I want other pastors to believe that their church is the greatest church exactly. on the planet. Right. I was always taught when I was upbringing, never say that your church is the best church. Right. Mm-hmm. I was literally taught that by my mm-hmm. pastor. <laughs> yeah. And so I was always in this tension of like, hey, we're a good church. We're a great church, but we're not the best church. And then I felt so, I felt so... My, my daughters have this word, ick. Right. It's so <laughs> ick. I felt ick. Yeah. And and I felt like, oh, that's so not true to who I am. Right. And then I just got free when I realized, no, there's a healthy uh, understanding that what I'm building, I believe in. I think it's the best. See, why this is so important is because the world's resources are disproportionately deployed against the most ambitious. For sure. Elon Musk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, runs like that. three multi-billion dollar organizations, mm-hmm. he's the most ambitious. Yes. And people are flocking. I mean, not everybody agrees with him, obviously. Don't matter. Yeah. But people are flocking to this world-changing vision yeah. that he has. Because he's convicted. Convicted. Yeah. And conviction yeah. is another word of almost arrogant. Yeah. Like, I know the problems, but I'm, I believe it. He's definitely unapologetic. And yeah. conviction produces confidence that is mm. attractive. Yeah. People are attracted to confidence and conviction. Yeah, and I think you said it too. It doesn't matter. I don't think he cares that no, anybody yeah. agrees or disagrees. That's like, the arrogant to component. to innovate and move forward. Okay, so that's the arrogant component right yeah. there is, I don't care what you think. Yeah. Now, there are some re- ways and areas you should care, right? But you shouldn't care what people think that prevents you from doing it. That's the healthy level of arrogance. Yeah. The unhealthy level of arrogance would be obnoxious. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I think we're we're pressing on this a bit because we've literally have seen people in the past few years, and COVID has definitely accelerated it, that used to be building that are not building any longer. Yeah. And it's like the saddest thing ever where you have these people that were are so talented, still today are so talented, but because of burnout, because of comparison, mm-hmm. um, because of this retreat, it feels like we've lost or have a few wounded soldiers. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's in the kingdom, you know? For sure. And it's like, let's build again. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's let's give people something to be inspired by that they want to put their hand to because if secular companies are the only ones giving world-changing visions, 
you know, belong anywhere. Let's con- let's organize the world's information. Let let's um, get to to net negative carbon footprint through these sick cars, these incredible right, cars, right? right? You know, whatever it may be, people are flocking to that. Yes, and they're the most talented people are working on those things. Yes, if we really believe the kingdom of God, the the way of Jesus is the most important thing on the planet. Why wouldn't we have that level of confidence? ambition, unapologetic nature yep. to what we're doing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think I think the, the thing I need to caveat this with is I do believe in prayer. Yeah. I take prayer retreats. Of course. But it's not a rest retreat. For, even rest for me is doing something I enjoy, not doing nothing. So good. Okay, right. and mm-hmm. so I think that activity produces it. I think there, there needs to be a pattern of prayer. I have a daily pattern of prayer. Mm. I don't go on a just a retreat just to get my prayer. Now, my prayer retreat is very pointed and specific. I'm trying to seek God for what's next. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it is a lot of work. It's actually a lot of work. It's very, very confronting. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I think the problem is is comparison, not fatigue. Hmm. And hmm. Uh, it's an anxious thing. So what would be better is a book on how to get control of my mind. So hmm. good. How, yeah. to, how to do with comparison, not how to live like a monk. Mm. I think you're just touching on exactly how to live like a monk. I almost scooted by that. <laughs> no, I think you're touching on this connect the, to bring it all back is this space for hype network um, yeah. and the underserved business component of this, right? Of all the people in that space. Because you can see as you're talking about that, Vance, around all of the people who have taken a sabbatical, the carryover into all the ambitious people that were in their fold. You know, well, you were saying this to me the other day. People that are registered have been coming to hype network gatherings or being yeah. part of the community. You've been surprised by the registrations, like, oh, I didn't know they were a believer. That's Got awesome. It. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then conversations with people who are, I want to be connected to this because it gives them confidence to say that they are in their so workplace. Good. Yeah. And then to play harder and play bigger, to know that other founders and other investors are Christian, just gives you a backing but but I do you think it's I mean I guess I'm just trying to connect the points here just is there how can business people innovators creators investors find this type of discipleship around you know because it seems like that's the gap of what we're talking about everything you're saying around comparison and anxiety and the proper understanding of what rest refresh retreat what those things really mean yeah if that's think, the gap, where, where do they get that? I mean, this is why I love Hype Network. This is why I love innovators, entrepreneurs, is because I believe innovators, entrepreneurs, if we're putting them in the business class category of, of church, they're probably the most underserved category in the church historically. Wow. Uh, they've, they've kind of been in this category of, hey, we'll pay attention when you make money. Yeah. Uh, or when you're successful, because then you are a resource for us. But... A lot of the people in the innovation space aren't financially ready no. to be a resource. They need support. Mm-hmm. They right. need belief. They need someone to fan that idea into flame. And imagine the confidence that comes from pastors coming alongside innovators and entrepreneurs and going, I might not understand what it is you're building, but let's, how do I pray for you? <laughs> so how do I get around it? And uh, I mean, I find, I found, I'll be honest, can I be really transparent? Yeah, do it. Yeah. Vance, it took you about a year to explain to me what crypto was. When it first came out, every <laughs> NFTs, time. NFTs, we had a conversation every about Every time I'm yeah. like, please, 
I'm slow. <laughs> Help me understand. Yeah. And yeah. then it finally clicked. But I didn't stop fanning it into flame just because I didn't understand it. So good. And I think that that's where uh, Hype Network, when we pull innovators together, they're finding so much mission yes. connected to the big picture of faith. Yeah. And just whether it's a faith-based product company or not, it doesn't matter. But to have faith leaders and connectors supporting that and not vilifying it. Yeah. And that's where I think it's been. It's been in this like, oh, that's worldly. That's yeah. out of the church. Yeah, that. Rather than, oh, no, this is actually central to the gospel. Yes. It is the gospel. I mean, yeah, <laughs> worldly. I mean, Jesus played big. Mm-hmm. Go into all the world. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's literally his main instruction. Go out into all of the world. Right. right? He's like yeah. played the biggest. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So I think for me, I what I'm really excited about is to see how this is getting unusual traction. Yes, yeah. It's unusual traction. It's really cool. Um, There is, you know, people becoming members, people signing up to the network, people inviting people, and just the conversations that we're having are so rich. Phenomenal. um, And so net new conversations. Mm. From the conversations I've been having for the last couple decades in ministry, we're having net new conversations about product. It's all inspired by God. Anything creative comes from God. Mm -hmm. And uh, to see uh, Christians, believers now entering into this space is, it's thrilling. I I really love to see how how you both have been leading through the way your relationship is Mm -hmm. and how you're able to talk freely and flow through ministry and business. It was really cool to see how that was such a blessing to the person that we were chatting with last night. Oh yeah. Just how synergistic you were talking about. That's a key word. Yeah. I wonder if you could just talk about that and yeah. launching overflow and having been on staff. I mean, I don't know how much you want to go into it, but I think just the relationship is such a main distinctive of what we're building through Hype Network. And it's yeah, coming- I think, I think it's unique yeah. to the synergy, yeah. right? In how we can seamlessly flow between the two. Um, and it not even being two distinct things. It actually truly feeling like one yeah. thing, yeah. right? Which is um, the mission of expanding and extending the kingdom of God. And- Overflow specifically being what we believe is an infrastructure play mm. to resource the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it being so tied into the local church, our church, Vive Church, and so many other local churches around the world. And saying that, um, you know, I do think there is also a place in a space where maybe it's not blatantly synergistic like that, but you can create synergies between maybe even a company that your customer is not the local church. Yeah. Right. But you can create synergies and put your company, your whatever you're building on mission to the gospel. Yes. Right. I I do think that's possible as well. I mean, we have another company kind of in our world uh, that is so synergistic as well. That is not as blatant as Overflow, which is Progeny Coffee, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I would say that company is on mission. Um, it's It's a coffee company. Completely. And I think what what we're getting to and what we see, uh, what Vance and I have developed is this incredible partnership. Yeah. Where partnership is kingdom. Jesus' plan for reaching humanity was in partnership with us. And partnership brings in a dynamic exponential creativity. Good. uh, I think vision. Uh, It it widens your peripheries to be able to see things that you don't see. And I think that what... What Vance and I have found in in starting companies together, in launching churches together, in investing in in businesses, is where Vance's strengths are uniquely different to mine. Yeah. But together, it almost creates a superhuman 
Yeah. Uh, not, yeah. not bragging about ourselves, but it's like, well, the blind spots are covered by somebody else mm-hmm. who, yeah. who has insights and, and that has actually been able to, I guess, been a reason for us to help navigate us towards a lot of successful things because we've been able to have eyes on things that each other wouldn't naturally have alone. Yeah. That's coming back to the hype network is that you're one connection away from your breakthrough. It, really what we're doing is we're putting people in partnership with each other yeah. and helping create those superhumans yeah. where maybe you're finding someone that is that next key partner, not just for this project but in life, right? you know, and doing multiple projects together. That comes over time because you build trust, you build a history with people and it's forged the I'm a believer in this. Like, you know, you, you hear stories from World War II, World War I, where men on the front line in battle formed a camaraderie totally. that, you know, was at times one of the strongest bonds because they both fought together. Absolutely, yeah. A common enemy forged a camaraderie. Yeah. That's business. Mm-hmm. A common enemy, maybe it's a market or a dominance in an area so or good. emerging in an area. Mm-hmm. Fighting together to achieve that mission yeah. will actually build a camaraderie because it's on the coalface. Yeah. And that's what actually can do it. Now, what the enemy wants to do is try and corrupt that. So we, yeah. could, we could probably do a whole podcast For on sure. how Vance and I protect our partnership yeah. Yeah. and, that's and, good, and how we do that because we see that success actually can wedge people apart. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's probably the narrative. Let's give credit to the devil. He's successful in doing that. Wow. But when, you don't, when you're not aware that that's the devil's agenda, yeah. um, he always divides to conquer. And he wants to bring division. So there are things that Vance and I built in to make sure that um, we are constantly in partnership together. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, understanding that there are situations uh, in partnership where one plus one equals three. Mm -hmm. And when you... Woke math. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, 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 I was waiting for that comment. When you you realize that, right, your your world gets enlarged. Mm -hmm. I think from a business person perspective, if... You know, and, and I don't just feel like I'm just a business person, but if yeah. I were just, you know, isolated to that for a second, talking from that perspective, I think what business people are looking for is for lead pastors, is for pastors in their world um, that lift a lid of limitation, yeah. that are secure, that yes. have big vision. And honestly, that always can direct me towards setting my sight towards heaven and how is heaven being brought down to earth? Mm. that's so inspiring to me personally. That seems like something I can build my family around, right? That seems multi-generational. That seems like legacy to me. And it's, it's, a, it's a reason to get up from bed in the morning. Mm. And so from a business person's perspective, I think, you know, any pastors that are listening to this, that, that's what we're looking for. Um, yes. And, you know, feel like that I've personally found, which has been really cool. I would also say that that's, I think why we have a visceral reaction to that rest idea, that teaching sure. that's coming out is because you're not dealing with that comparative nature, comparison. Mm. You, you are. Yeah, great point. And if, if it's like maybe it's you're comparing to another church that's got success. Yeah. If you can't celebrate that church, you won't celebrate the business person in your church wow. that just signed a multi-million dollar deal. Wow. Yeah. You'll be jealous. Yes. Wow. You'll be jealous. Right. And you're allowing jealousy to, to come in. And we know that's one of the tools of the enemy, right? Yeah. But you have to just celebrate. Mm-hmm. Find a way to celebrate people. Celebrate other churches. Celebrate success in your church. Celebrate a, a multi-million dollar deal. I have a I have a, a 
a, um, a, I guess it's a thesis would be, is that the way a philosophy is probably a better word, mm -hmm. that when someone in my church gets a big deal or promotion, I don't say, hey, now you take me out to dinner. I say, I'm going to take you out to dinner. Wow. They just got like a major promotion, multi-million dollar wow. deal, but I'm paying for dinner because wow. I'm going to celebrate you. I'm not going, well, now I expect you to take me along for the journey. And I think that that's hmm. the, the, the antidote to comparison is to actually spend money, buy gifts, celebrate, do what's difficult. So good. And yeah. we learned that years ago, you know, yeah. even when yeah. there was like uh, any hint of comparison, no, act in an opposite spirit. Hmm. So you have to do something adverse to cancel that spirit out within you that's trying to creep in. So the best thing is, no, I'm going to send, send them a gift. So that means if you ever got a gift from us, we were <laughs> – I'm joking. I know. I was nodding. <laughs> no, like, no, oh, good, yeah, good, good. They've been really nice to me lately. <laughs> we were jealous. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's real. I love that. Yeah, that's such a good – it's such a good – we should do a whole episode on that. I think that that would be really freeing for people Yeah, both on both ends because yep. I think of the conversations we had out of that first um, round of Hype Sessions out yes. of the Amen Conference in 2022, um, my conversations with the ministers in the room, and they were right. getting language and um, articulation on how to speak to the business people in their rooms. Brilliant. That's right. Yeah, and, and I could see how not even being able to understand – the truth and the ambition, mm -hmm. the, the the best things of ambition mm -hmm. that they're probably not discipling as well as they could have been. But um, do we give these podcast titles? I do. Yeah. She, what would you? Them good what would you like to call this one? It has to have something with ambition, surely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll let you do the creative ambition. thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, I've been pretty good with titles. Yeah. Give it a good give it a good title, yeah. ambition. Um, but I am excited about hype happy hour tonight. It's our yep. first happy hour. Yeah. yeah. We're at the uh, Soho Grand. Yeah, the Soho in New York Grand. City. Oh man, this whole area I is pretty it. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, we've got some amazing people coming tonight. Yeah. I am so looking forward to chatting with people. Uh, I love conversation. I love finding out about people. And there's some interesting people coming tonight that I'm going to meet. And who knows what God is going to produce out That's of right. tonight. Yeah. Tonight could be catalytic yeah. for one of the best uh, companies to be formed or yeah. a new idea or someone to get funded uh, in the future. So we're excited about that. And then tomorrow... We're going to be putting the board shorts on in Miami. Yeah, We're going to be going on. running from the Hudson in the snow to the sand on the beach. I brought my Miami. hot pink short shorts. So, oh, they're my favorite uh, shorts you wear. Vince. And I just, I'm, I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear it out here. Actually, no. Kim, Kim I like that you said you. we are going running. You've gone running in your shorts <laughs> in the snow. I have I mean, not gone running in the shorts. No, no. I've, I've, uh, I've included. I just people. went out and was like, oh, it's flurrying. You ran in the snow this morning. Yes, yes. That's you crazy. didn't. No, no, I was waiting I'm, I'm for a, you. No, no, I'm, I was waiting for you. No, no, no. I'm going to the gym in the no. warm. It was Vance's idea. Did you hear that yesterday? He's like, no. Hey, we're going to be running along the Hudson. I did, I did see that idea. Yeah. And had no. We did. We um, were like, go all the way to had, Highline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like, had no intention of actually falling through. I just, I thought it was a, a decent just idea. Egging him on. Well, I went and I've been twice now. Yeah, you have, and I've been yeah, zero. No. And you haven't been once. No, he brought the shorts for Miami, not for the snow. That's I right. just, unlike I bring, you, I bring shorts everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I realized too that there's a, a lot of, um, I didn't know that, and this might might come across a little uh, racist, but why is there only white folk running out in the cold? Why? Okay. <laughs> Why? There's, no there's an intelligence thing here. No, just yeah. Are, um, we, are we stupid? No, I don't know. It's probably. I, I was going to say it's where your people are from, but you're from Australia. Yeah, I'm from Australia. <laughs> I'm from warm climates. My people are from the humidity of the Philippines. So yes. 
That I didn't see sense. any Filipinos. Oh, no. I didn't see any Islanders. You would not see that. Where mm. are you guys? We would not see that. Nope. <laughs> I just realized I got two Filipinos on this yeah, podcast. You're in a sandwich. Mm.